So we're going to look today at uh, Isaiah chapter 35, uh, verses 1 through 10. The text uh, is in the bulletin, also up on uh, the screens behind me. Uh, and and one of the you might be asking, well, what does Isaiah 35 have to do with anything this morning? Well, um, uh, partly because uh, in the gospel reading that we read earlier uh, this morning, uh, where uh, John the Baptist asks a great question, <laughs> you know, are you the one or should we look for another? I ask that question several times a day, I think, of Jesus. Are you the one, really? Because uh, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to uh, wrap my brain around that when I see the brokenness and, uh, in my own life and all, all around me. Jesus answers his question by, in many ways, citing this passage from Isaiah 35. And so these two, these two texts uh, connect up. And so that's what we'll, uh, that's what we'll be looking at and uh, talking about this morning. So uh, before I read it, let me, let me pray. Um, and uh, then we'll read, uh, read Isaiah 35. Lord, we uh, come to you today uh, confessing uh, our weakness and uh, our blindness and our deafness and um, our distractedness, our anger, bitterness, discouragement, uh, all of those things uh, that we might be struggling with. And then, Lord, there are some of us here today who uh, are, um, well, uh, content, joyful, and happy, and uh, uh, we're grateful, um, and we pray that uh, as we look at your text today, and as we look at the scripture, you would help us, uh, that by your spirit, you would take the truth of the gospel, the truth of your kingdom advancing uh, to encourage and uh, move our hearts today. Lord, we ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10, a text is in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. This is God's word, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. That. That right there was just worth the price of admission uh, this morning to, uh, to be here to, to, to hear that, right? No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing. 
shall flee away. So one of the things I have been amazed at yet again this year, every year it, it, it's the same thing, but it, it, uh, it always surprises me how much of an industry we have in our country about creating expectations that something is going to happen at Christmas. Either you're going to wake up Christmas morning and lo and behold, you're going to walk outside and there's going to be a $75,000 car parked or two parked in your driveway with a bow on it. And you didn't know it was going to be there. Amazing. Amazing. Do you have that expectation? Maybe, maybe you've been watching the Hallmark channel uh, uh, so much and you think, that what's going to happen to you this year is you're going to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend for Christmas. Right? Or some outrageously expensive piece of jewelry. Or the best piece of beef of your life. <laughs> right? <laughs> So, you know, there, there's nothing wrong, honestly, with anticipating some things like that. And I, I'm, I am, uh, I, I'm fully engaged and, and involved with that. I, I think, though, that part of what happens to us here is we get a little confused and we set our expectations on small things, little things that we make big. So that when the small things don't happen, the big thing remains hidden. I think that's a kind of a, a conundrum, kind of a, a tension that uh, that we we all experience this time of year. Now, we're going to look today at this text. Uh, and look today at the issue of expectations. Because my guess is, you know, that our friend John the Baptist, who has, as we would say in our day and age, spoken truth to power, has announced to Herod the king that, that his relationship is inappropriate. And uh, as a result of that, he's in prison. He has been the one who pointed out to the world that there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's Jesus Christ who's going to come with power and strength, whose winnowing fork is in his hand, and who will baptize with, with, uh, uh, with, with fire. And he languishes in a prison. And so he asks an honest question. He sends to Jesus uh, some messengers, and he says, Hey, you know, this, things, this, is, not my, this is not meeting my expectations. This, this is not how I thought things were going to be. I thought you were the Messiah, and I thought... Uh, you were going to bring about this global change, and here I am in prison. And so as we, as we look at this today, as, as we unpack this, I think I want us to spend a little time talking about the, the arrival of the kingdom of God, the, the arrival of these things, but I, I also want us to be honest about the continuing brokenness and darkness of the world that will be here until the Messiah comes once and for all.
So let's let's look at the text today. So so there should be a clear contrast in our gospel reading and the scripture text here I just read. John the Baptist is in prison, and then we read in Isaiah about this great picture of the desert springing to life, waters flowing, plants growing, safety, uh, smooth travel, just a, 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 a dynamic picture of the coming of the Messiah, of the blind receiving their sight, the deaf uh, being able to hear, the lame being able to walk. It is just a, a very profound uh, 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 picture. So on the one hand, you have a vid- vivid picture of the blessings of the coming Messiah to a downtrodden and displaced people. Isaiah 35 is written to people who, as a result of their sin, have been taken away into exile into Babylon. They have been removed from their homes. They have been removed from their their uh, uh, their city, their culture, their society. And now, as a result of their sin, they live in Babylon. And we have the promise here that God says to them, "Listen, I will bring you back. You need to strengthen your feeble knees. You need to quiet your anxious hearts." I am at work here and I'm going to bring you back in splendor and I'm going to take everything in this world that is crooked and I'm going to make it straight. I'm going to take everything in this world that is broken and I'm going to redeem it. To people who are in exile, to people who are suffering, to people who are in exile and suffering because of their own sin even, right? So we have that picture And yet we also have the picture of a good and godly and great man who languishes in a prison who will soon lose his life, right? So what are are we to make of this? Next slide. So, um, well, it's, it's pretty profound because John wants to know if Jesus is the one. He asks the question and Jesus responds by giving him kind of a, a paraphrase of this passage from Isaiah 35 that we just read. So Jesus is signaling to John, yes, I am the one who is to come. Yes, the kingdom of God is here. And yes, I really am the Messiah, right? So and that the messianic kingdom is here and it's coming true in my ministry, right? The, the thing that's profound about this is, though, is that it's still, even as we see that and as we say that, we have to admit that it's an odd response, right? Not what you would expect. Why didn't he just say to John, yes, I am the Messiah? Yes. Why would he say the things that he said to him? And why would he say, you know, the, uh, as, as the, this, the text uh, tells us here, I think it's a pretty profound thing. Are you the one who is the come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor of good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, wait a minute. If you're doing all these great things, helping lame people walk, helping lepers be cleansed, helping deaf hear, helping the dead be raised up, the poor of good news preached to them, why is there any sense at all that anyone would be offended at that? Right? Well, I wonder, I think John might have a sense of offense. (laughs) 
Okay, you're doing all those great things, and here I am in prison, right? Same thing might be true for us, right? We have this expectation that that what the gospel means, what the work of, of the kingdom of God means is that there's going, that the kingdom is coming, that it is advancing, and that as a result of that, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to look better, the world's going to feel better, it's going to look better. <clears throat> the, but the, the reality is we, we recognize and we celebrate, as we should, the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. Jesus lived, he died, he rose again. And, and those words are absolutely true. And at the same time, we must say, as Jesus said to John, these, his kingdom is advancing, his work is going forward. And yet, we know we live in a world that's broken. I have been so discouraged uh, lately about the violence in our region. It's terrible. Uh, and, and you may think, well, that's happening over there. That's, that's involving those people or I, I, I know what's going on there. Well, the fact is it's in our community and it's not like our community is, is so large that, that the, the truth is that we shouldn't be affected in some way by the fact, uh, that, uh, the number of shootings and the number of murders in our region is spiking. That's just one thing that I can think of that's a problem. In light, and still in light of the fact that we believe that Jesus has come and that the kingdom of God uh, is advancing, right? So we have to, we have to look at this and try to unpack here what's going on and have a, have a true, uh, and, and profound understanding of what it means that that the blind are, are receiving their sight, the deaf are receiving their, their hearing, that the kingdom of God actually is advancing. Because the way we tend to think about the kingdom of God advancing and that the work of the Messiah is going on is something like, I voted for this candidate and he won and he is going to uh, put into place my agenda, which of course is God's agenda, and everything is going to be fine. Right? <clears throat> and yet... What we see here is, is something a little bit different, right? The kingdom is advancing even as there's some remaining darkness in our world, right? So it's true that Jesus healed the sick and gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, but how many? And I think that's a fair question. Because the, the truth is that Jesus didn't heal every blind person he didn't heal every deaf person. He didn't make every lame person walk. And he did not raise every person who died during his earthly ministry. And yet, the kingdom of God was made manifest in his life and in his ministry, right? Next slide. So, so we have to say that this answer here is a bit ambiguous. It's a bit, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an interesting kind of answer and particularly to a man, uh, uh, in prison. So here's the thing. Uh, your expectation and my expectation of what the kingdom of God coming and advancing, what the messianic kingdom 
is going to look like. Probably we are, we're off. Just as the people were off in the first century, just as they didn't quite know what to expect, they certainly didn't expect the Messiah to come and be rejected. They certainly didn't expect the Messiah to come and be so obscure. And certainly they didn't expect the Messiah to, to live in such a way that even as he completed his greatest and biggest work here on the planet, that there were people there who saw it and witnessed it and still doubted. Remember, when Jesus ascends into heaven, there are 500 on that mountain, who see him after his death, after his resurrection. And it says that some believed and some doubted. The kingdom of God is advancing. And yet the way we tend to think about it advancing is, is that it would be obvious, clear, loud, uh, spectacular. But the truth is, and this should encourage you today, it encourages me, that the work of the kingdom coming and advancing in our world usually actually has a hidden quality about it. And just because something, and let me be clear about that, hidden doesn't mean uh, absent. Something that's hidden is there. It exists. It's in place. We just don't see it as clearly as we might, right? So how would you know that the kingdom kingdom of God was here even in our midst and advancing? Next slide. Well, how did the people in Jesus' day see it? They expected a Messiah to come to uh, make everybody uh, rich, make everybody safe, make everybody secure, uh, and make uh, the people of God kind of the zenith of of creation. And, And yet the truth is Jesus was born in a stable. Jesus... Uh, came and lived uh, in a tiny little geographic area. Uh, And when uh, he ascended into heaven, just a handful, really, of followers. And yet the kingdom of God had come and it would continue to advance. So what is it about it that makes us miss it, right? Well, uh, you see, given the suffering of what Paul calls this present evil age, if we were to say now to some 2000 years later that the kingdom of God is advancing, it's kind of hard for us to see it, right? This description of, 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 of the creation exploding into life and redemption may be a little hard for some of us to wrap our brains around this morning. So we need to ask the question, when we pray, your kingdom come, what are we asking for? Well, we want God to make his healing reign more tangible and visible in our world. We want the righteous rule of Jesus to be asserted everywhere sin and sickness is found in the world and in me. We sing that great hymn every year at Christmas, Joy to the World. And one of the lines in it is, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. That's the longing of our hearts. What we really want to see is, is that the work of sin, the work of darkness in our world once and for all be forever taken away. We want to see our own hearts changed, our own lives changed, those things that we struggle with and the sin and rebellion that seems so strong in my own life. I want to see its back broken and done away with once and for all. I want to see the anger and the bitterness and the jealousies and the the darkness that is so prevalent in so many of our relationships. I want to see it done away with. I want to see uh, the uh, ravaging effects of cancer and aging and all of those things done away with once and for all. Right? 
That's what we're praying for when we say your kingdom comes. And so we pray and we seek and we acknowledge that God's kingdom is not yet visible in the way we or John the Baptist would desire. Right? So how are we to see it and how are we to be sure that Jesus has kept his word as we sang earlier and that his kingdom is coming and it's advancing? Next slide. Well, Jesus said that God's reign is like a mustard seed. When it's sown into the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all the shrubs. It's tiny. It's almost microscopic. It's so hard to see. And yet, and when you put it in the ground, you can't see it at all. And yet, given time, it's a massive shrub. Or God's reign is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, when you put yeast and flour, do you see the yeast in the, in the flour? No. But you see its effect, right? You see the bread rise if you do it right, right? Next slide. So God's rule is breaking into the world, but it might not meet our expectations, right? Jesus is often not who or what we expect or maybe even honestly what we desire. So I want to tell you something this morning, a surefire way, a guaranteed way that you can see the kingdom of God advancing. Guaranteed. You have to come to the four o'clock service on Christmas Eve. I'm not laughing. This is deadly serious business. You need to come to the four o'clock service at Christmas Eve and you need to see the collection made of food for our food pantry because the hungry get fed. How many? Not many. Is it impressive? No. Is it the kingdom of God? Yes. We laugh. We don't take it very seriously. We think perhaps we should market it better. After all, we are Americans. But I'm here to tell you that that's the kingdom of God advancing. It's hard to see, isn't it? It has that hidden quality about it. Because I wrongly think often that the kingdom of God is going to be something loud and spectacular that people will be talking about hundreds of years from now. Friday afternoon, I had the opportunity with some friends to go sit with another friend who's dying and celebrate her birthday. We had some cake. We had some coffee and some tea. We opened a few gifts. The kingdom of God was advancing right there in that den. And if I hadn't told you about it, the six or seven of us who were there would be the only ones who know about it. You see, that's how it works. And sometimes for us, honestly, we must confess 
that it's not enough. And yet Jesus is not detracted or distracted from bringing his kingdom even in ways that his own people at times despise. So one of the projects I've been working on as I've gotten older, which is every day, uh, is um, to uh, read books that I should have read in school that I haven't read yet. So one of the books I've been working through, and, and somebody asked me about this after the 9 o'clock service, you don't need to read this book because it's too long. For, for It's 800-something pages long. It's a book called Middlemarch. Uh, and it's one of those, I love it because it's one of those books, it's 800 pages and nothing happens, <laughs> which is, which is my favorite kind of story actually, you know, where there's no giant battles fought, there's no, you know, great, you know, steamy romance, there's none, none of the stuff that we tend to think that makes for a good story. The main character is a woman named Dorothea who is the most gifted, uh, gracious, really powerful woman, and she kind of rejects all of that just to simply love her family. And there's some thought, some one of the themes that runs through the book is that in many ways, you know, she hasn't lived up to her potential after she dies. And these are the closing lines uh, of the book. But the effect of her being on those around her was incalculably diffusive. In other words, she had a very broad impact around on the people who knew her. Right, and then this this uh, phrase is just uh, just powerful for the growing good of the world. The kingdom of God is partly dependent on unhistoric acts. Right. And that things are not so ill with you and me. Things aren't as bad as they could be, ill with you and me, as they might have been, as half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. Wow. Wow. What a powerful witness to us of the reality, of the quietness, and yet the power of the kingdom of God advancing in our world. The kingdom is advancing. And even though it may seem hidden to us, and it may seem at times to us the things that we, where the kingdom is actually advancing, may seem kind of silly to us or, or kind of weak, that might be a clue to us that the kingdom is actually coming. Eating this little piece of bread and drinking this little plastic cup of juice or wine, the kingdom of God advances. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus. They did as he had directed them and prepared the Passover. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's confess our sins together. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Believer, hear these words of encouragement. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins.